Welcome to Dragon Talk. My name is Greg Tito, and I'm joined by... I'm Shelly Mazanoble. Hi! This is the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Did yeah. you know that? Nope. No. Where we talk about things pertaining to both Dungeons & Dragons, right. uh, as well as board games that, uh, that Shelly is playing uh, and or uh, uh, producing. Right. And uh, we today have an exciting guest. It's Aram Vartian, uh, who you may know from God's Fall. We had him on the podcast a while ago, uh, along with uh, one of his cast members. It was and Trevor, by the way. It was Trevor. You yeah. did not. That's why yeah. you looked at me blankly. And I'm like, we've talked to him before. And you're like, I, I don't remember him. Yeah. But we will be talking to him today. And you'll get to see all of his glory or hear Here. all of his glory. And he has a really good voice. He's got a very good voice. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, uh, so you've got lots of questions. You want to like ping him for voice acting questions. I do. Yes. <laughs> nice. You will. Uh, but let's do a, a couple of quick announcements before we get to the oh, Lori yeah, Chanel segment. Uh, Two of Annihilation is coming out. Did you know that? No. We did our stream of Annihilation. Uh, oh, God, it was more than a month ago now. Uh, introducing yeah. the new storylines coming out from Dungeons and Dragons. It is coming on September 19th. Um, and uh, September 8th into uh, game stores. So if you have game stores uh, on your brain, uh, you can pick it up there. Uh, but everybody else should be able to get it um, uh, on September 19th. Uh, what else can we talk about? Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms from Codename Entertainment. We uh, announced that, or they, or rather, uh, Codename Entertainment announced it a few weeks ago. They've been uh, updating with new uh, adventurers that you know, have been coming out from week over week. The first one was Minsk and Boo. <gasps> Uh, that you'll be able to play with. Send them From out on Baldur's adventures. Gate. It's an idle game. So basically what you do is you send uh, uh, your party out on adventures, you collect gold, you defeat monsters, uh, all kind of ongoing at all times. Um, but you can check in and uh, make them better, tweak I them a little that. bit. Yeah, make your li- set up your lineup. So if you like certain characters from D&D lore, you can put them in your lineup and, uh, and you can optimize them, them. And they, they're going all the time. They're and then already, you just kind of check on them. You check in, you change it up, you met, you collect. You, if, you're, if you're doing it, it, it uh, gets a little bit better, but you can always uh, be collecting gold and stuff at all times. It's like having a kid. It's like having a kid. Just send them out there. It's like a real-time Bring game. Bring home the gold. Um, so that game is coming out uh, in uh, quarter three, uh, August, September kind of area. It'll be free to play. You can find out more of it at Idle Champions on Twitter uh, or IdleChampions.com. Also, Hascon is coming up. You know what Hascon? I know what Hascon. It's, it's a convention in... Providence, Rhode Island, yep. by our corporate overlords, Hasbro Entertainment, who has a few properties you may know of, such as My Little Pony, mm-hmm. G.I. Joe, Transformers, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, and they are putting Little on this... Touch Up? Yeah, that too, right? And uh, uh, what's the, the other pet thing they got? For real? The For Real Friends? For Real For friends. Real. Yep, got one of those. For Real. For Real. They got them. Um, all that stuff will be on display at Hascon September 8th through 10th. In Providence, Rhode Island, as I said, we got the Dunkin' Donuts Center. It's going to be all Magic the Gathering tournament play in the Dunkin' oh, Donuts Center. Like you an had arena. me at Dunkin' Donuts. Exactly. It's the home of Dunkin' Donuts is, uh, is, is Rhode Island, the is whole really? New England area. Yeah, that's where it all came oh, from. So good. Uh, D&D will also have tons of events there uh, that you can play with your family. We're adding all kinds of things where you can play with your parents, play no with your way. kids, uh, onboarding experiences. So if you have a member of your family that's much more into, say, uh, Little's Pet Shop or My Little Pony, yes. you can still uh, show them something <clears throat> that you might love, uh, like Dungeons & Dragons, and play so with them as well as magic cards. I mean, Something it's, for everyone. It's something for everything. Probably it's some a, cool swag that you can get. It's going to be a fun-mully event uh, for everyone. Did that's you, registered trademark. I know. No, no, the the ad wizards at Hasbro made that up. And uh, it, it's a great way to get people in board uh, uh, for Dungeon Dragon. Yes, the thing you were alluding to, what was that? Swear. Exclusive items. Exclusive items. Yes, My Little Pony dice. <gasps> Wait, 
Can you say that? I can say it. Oh. I can say it. That's I what I do. I thought that was a surprise. It's not a surprise. You can get that at Hascon only. My Little Pony themed uh, polyhedral dice that you can play Friendship and Magic with. What's the name we of the... We should get some and show them to the people. I, yes. We have prototypes here, but not the, the full, really the full cool. on product. It's They're pretty really, really good. It's pretty great. Uh, there's also some great magic cards that are going to be exclusive yes, uh, to Hascon uh, involving... I don't know. I don't want to spoil their stuff because uh, I don't know if what they're, when they're going to announce it. So maybe I'll, uh, I'll have our magic friends on and we can talk more about that stuff. Anywho, you should go check that out. Hascon, it's at hascon.hasbro.com. Click on the Tickets tab and scroll all the way down to the bottom and you'll see all of the D&D games you can buy tickets for there. Uh, D&D Beyond is uh, in beta phase 2 and 3 came out uh, last week. You can make your characters. It's amazing. Go test it out. It's got all the basic rules for free up there right now. So basic races, basic classes. You can level them up. You can create homebrew content, uh, which is also kind of amazing. It feels like this is really fast. Remember when we talked to uh, 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 Leah and Adam about uh, Frostballs? Yes. They made the Frostball spell in D&D Beyond. Serious? It's there already. I think Adam made it for me because uh, he's an awesome guy. So thanks, Adam. Now you need a, the Bing Bong spell. Oh, we do need a Bing Bong spell. I'm going to design it. I'm going to design it and put it on yeah. there. Um, but what's cool about that is everybody can search like everybody's homebrew content that people have made That's and see awesome. other people's spells and maybe use them in your campaign. I don't know. It's kind of cool. Uh, I've loved what's up there too and we'll have more information about their launch of D&D Beyond coming up very soon. So check that out. Uh, Plane Shift Amonkhet came out. Uh, this is when, uh, also with our magic friends, uh, they create different <laughs> worlds, uh, going to different planes. James Wyatt, who used to be on the on the D and D team, uh, creates these free PDFs where you can basically adventure as D and D players in the worlds of magic. It's you know, really cool. Can I just say what? It is about time. It's about time that there's been this mixing this of worlds. I know, right? I know there seems like I don't know why it didn't happen before, but come on. Yeah. Exactly. It's neat. I mean, basically, the D&D multiverse is basically the magic multiverse. And so let's There's multiverse it together. Over there. It's, just, yeah. it would, it's really cool. Yeah. I'm glad I'm, we're doing that. And people have been really digging it so far. Yeah. So if you like it, uh, definitely shout out to uh, James Wyatt on Twitter. I believe he's at Aquella James. I might yes. get that wrong, but I think that's what... All from memory, people. All from memory. Um, Greg so, uh, you can also search for Plane Shift Amoncat. It's probably the best, easiest way to find it. It's on both the D&D site and on the Magic uh, website. So, if you're interested, download the PDF, play in those worlds. It's an Egyptian-themed world. It's pretty neat. Uh, one thing to check out there, there's five unique uh, cleric domains, I believe, for the five gods uh, that you might be able to adapt and or use in your campaign, if you're interested. Yeah. Uh, also, oh, Dragon Plus, issue 14 just recently came out. Uh, that is an app on uh, iOS as well as Android or on the web. Um, go find that out. One cool thing about this issue, I mean, so lots of great content is in there, including uh, stories about Tomb of Annihilation and, and uh, uh, the stories that are coming out there. But there's a, a Rat Queens adventure that was written by Curtis Weeb, the creator of Rat Queens. Uh, it's a comic book. I don't know if you've heard of it before. Four um, badass female player uh, characters um, going through a very adult world. So this is not something you introduce to your, to your kids just yet, but once they turn 18, show them Rat Queens. It's really fantastic. And this adventure is a great way to kind of introduce uh, how that world works. It's really, it's really fun. I Only like it a lot. Only in Dragon Plus? Only in Dragon Plus can you find that adventure. That's exactly. Cool. Uh, so thank you for, to Curtis for, for putting that up there. And uh, uh, I'm really excited about it. So go check that out. Dragon Plus, issue 14. It's the word. You know what I love about Dragon Plus? I like pointing, by the way. The covers? Their covers are really great. Oh, I love every yeah. one of them. Shauna so Wolf Narciso has uh, uh, been art directing those covers. Yep. Like it's a magazine, like it's a, a Wired or a New Yorker or they're something just, like that. It's really neat. really 
unique yeah. and cool, and I've always what's curious. What's been your favorite cover so far? I love the kitties. You love the kitties? They but really I cool. loved Zuggy. Ah, see, Zuggy Moy is my favorite. She's my favorite. Yeah. If you're interested in finding out some of that, uh, uh, Todd Kenrick uh, for Dungeon Life just recently did an interview with Shauna Wolf Narciso. Oh, cool. I keep saying her middle name because I think she's got the coolest middle name in the world. <coughs> uh, but talking about uh, how she commissioned uh, the sculpture that was used for the cover of so Dragon Plus. Uh, Zuggy Moy, Queen of Rot. Lady of Destruction and Mushrooms and, and Fungus. Ultimate Bridezilla. Ultimate Bride. That was the image that you liked. Yes. Yeah, it was when she was Gorgeous. her wedding. wedding. Yeah. Oh, so good. Out of the Abyss was, was pretty cool as yeah. far as the uh, that was marketing one of my that goes for it. It was Loved like my, uh, uh, you know, my first thing with Dungeons & Dragons was, was Out of the Abyss. And it was always... one of my last things. <laughs> Pour one out. But now you're working on something really cool. What are you working on? Well. Real quick, because <laughs> we gotta get we got to get to Aram. He's been waiting. He's been waiting for 27 Sorry. minutes. Just nothing that cool. You just totally like took the wind out of my sails really fast. Some board game called Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Best board game ever. People got to play it at Origins. They liked it. They got to play it at Origins, and they really liked it. And there'll be some other opportunities to play it before it comes out, hopefully. Yeah. And it's so good. It's just good. It's just good. It's really good. I mean... So it's sad you don't get to be as into D&D all the time, but, you know, you got some cool have, things going on with the betrayal of Baldur's Gate. I have my own things. You have your own things. Yes. All things. Over on the hill, the Avalon Hill. That's what they call it, the hill? That's what my desk is called, <laughs> the hill. I thought you were over the hill. Oh, oh snap. <laughs> I am, actually. Damn it. I am over the hill. Oh, man. I'll uh, never be over the hill. I'm so sorry, Shelly. I'm also jerk. over the hill. We're all getting older. The impending death that's coming from the soulmonger is going to destroy us all. Ryan's crying. As he should. Uh, we are going to throw it to a lore you should know segment, uh, or maybe a sage advice segment. We'll see. Uh, we're going to roll some bings and some bombs and <laughs> hear that, and then we'll get right to our interview with. Welcome to another episode, episode, a segment of Lore You Should Know. Uh, that is the little bit where we go delve into little bits of uh, Dungeons & Dragons lore and give you um, things you might not know about and maybe remind you of things you, you did know about uh, and uh, in, infect them into your game as well as infect uh, your uh, current current game that uh, takes place within the D&D storylines. And today I am joined by Chris Perkins. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Matt Cernet. Hello. And we are going to talk about Port Nyanzaru, a, a city in the peninsula of Chult, uh, which figures prominently in the Tomb of Annihilation storyline, which we uh, announced at the Stream of Annihilation very recently and uh, is coming out on September 19th widely all over the world, uh, as well as um, September 8th at the game store. So you can go check that That's out right. then. Uh, but Port Nyanzaru is probably a, a settlement that not many people have known about uh, in D&D lore. Uh, there hasn't been that much written about it, has there, has there Matt? No. Uh, it appears in just a few products. Uh, one is the original Jungles of Chult, uh, and it has about two paragraphs there. Uh, there's a novel that it's mentioned in uh, that deals with Chult, uh, and that is The Fang Crown by uh, our own Jenna Helland here at uh, Wizards. Nice. Um, and then beyond that, um, it's mentioned again, like for a uh, sentence or two or three in the Forgotten Realms campaign setting from third edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is sort of in all of those references a location in Chult, a port town. And the sort of only real remarkable thing that we learn about it is that it's um, potentially guarded by a dragon turtle. Oh, and that was all 
in the lore, that was like the one little bit that was mentioned that was like right. it was a dragon turtle. And that's pretty much about all you get uh, from from what it. Uh, I mean, obviously it's a trade town and it deals with with trade and stuff like that. But basically, there's a dragon turtle, and uh, that I think that might have mentioned some of the previous lore that um, that pirates are kept away from it potentially by the dragon turtle. Got it. Uh, for for listeners who may not know what a dragon turtle is, uh, what exactly is the the etymology of of so the dragon turtle was a creature that appeared in the first edition monster manual. It is a gargantuan creature, a sea dragon that has a gigantic turtle, tor- turtle, tortoise <laughs> or turtle. I guess the correct would be turtle shell. Um, it's we got turtles on. They're the quite enormous, and uh, their sort of trademark or signature is that they breathe scalding uh, blasts of steam. Ah, so instead of the the fire breath, someone normally associated with red dragons, right. they can yes. basically hot steam. Yes, and like like dragons, they are they can be greedy. Um, mm-hmm. And the dragon turtle of Chult, whose name is Aramag, um, he basically extorts uh, for safe passage. So if you want to get through his bay, mm-hmm. you've got to throw some treasure overboard. So they're uh, are they as intelligent as normal dragons? Uh, I wouldn't say they're as intelligent as a chromatic or metallic dragon, but they're not. They can communicate, mm-hmm. so they are capable of reasoned discourse if you speak their languages. Okay, and most of them speak draconic. Draconic. I think dragon turtles in fifth edition speak aquan as well. Oh, that makes sense, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, but I'm not sure. I have to look it up. Yeah. So how does this uh, uh, has this dragon turtle always been around Port Nyanzaru? As, recent... as far as anybody can recall, mm-hmm. um, basically through documented memory, this creature has been there since we first found out about Port Nyanzaru and the area. Uh, the only way to get to Port Nyanzaru by boat is to go through this bay that mm-hmm. the dragon turtle claims as its domain. Yeah, and one of the reasons you do that is that most of Chult. Um, that the peninsula is surrounded by places where you can't pull a boat in. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. so you go to this one place where there's a safe bay. I mean, it's it's sort of Kong Islandish in that sense that there's there's lots of cliff faces and rocks and mm. places where basically you can't pull ashore safely and that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So the uh, Aramag is that what it was? Uh, Aramag or uh, Aramag. Um, it is uh, it is a derivation of uh, Gamera spelled backwards. Oh, okay. Um, a bit of little lost lore there. The yeah. creator of the creature, um, Jim Louder, uh, was paying homage to the the Godzilla oh, uh, okay. type stuff. That makes with, sense. With that nod. Um, okay. And so it's it's sort of gamma and reverse in a way. It's it's a slight tweak on that, but uh, yeah. And so um, has it been? And, uh, so oh. and and in in novels and such, the creature has been encountered before. Uh, briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the notes that Jim gave us on the creature was that it has wounds from previous altercations with people who thought they could fight their way past it. Nice. Um, and it still sports those wounds to this day. Okay. So it's old and crotchety. Has it had always had this like symbiotic relationship with you know, civilization, uh, you know, two leg civilization. I think it's, I think it's recognized, um, over time that, uh, it's got a good thing going. Mm. And, for those who live in Port Nyanzaru, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Yes, you have to pay tribute to it when you come, but at the same time, it's a wonderful natural defense. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's like a, I could see the reason why 
the Merchant Princes of Nainzaru would be like okay with yeah. this situation because yeah. what better defense against yes. pirates or things like that is? It's funny you should mention the Merchant Princes because they are not present in the old lore of the city. That was created new for Tomb of Annihilation. Okay. Um, and that's based on just the idea that time has passed mm -hmm. and Chult underwent a major geographical yes. uh, transformation during the period we know as the Spell Plague mm. when uh, the land was so wrought by m magic and uh, the chaos of the Spell Plague that for a time Chult became an island, not a peninsula. It was se separated um, from the mainland and parts of, parts of Chult were lost to the other world of ear um, mm. and new areas appeared. When that was all kind of restored in the sundering, uh, you had to, we had to take into account the trauma that all of these changes, both geographical and what's happening in Chult, had on the populace. Mm. And uh, events of novels like the rampaging undead that, have, that plague Chult have kind of pushed people to the fringes of the land and Port Nianzaru is sort of the last great bastion, the only real bastion of civilization in the entire land. Um, and there was a period when Port Nianzaru was young that there were a lot of there was a lot of foreign influence, um, powerful traders from nations such as Tether and Am, kind of had hold of the place. Mm. But with all the upheaval and the Chultans kind of putting aside their own personal tribal wars and kind of rallying together as a people, they basically booted out, they gained financial hold of, financial hold of their own destiny, mm. booted out a lot of the uh, um, uh, foreign oligarchs and merchant lords and basically established these merchant princes to control or monopolize trade in the city. Um, there are seven merchant princes. They each have a monopoly over something. Like a legal monopoly? Like yes. Uh, yes. And together they are essentially the government voting body um, in Port Nianzaru, which is kind of a free city. Uh, they, it charts its own destiny. These merchant princes have carved out their own mercantile empires, and they basically have agreed to resolve matters of the city together in a fairly diplomatic fashion. Mm. Interesting. So uh, w was there like a constitution that set this up? Like how did this this upheaval, you know, uh, we basically like We actual... basically posited that um, the Chultans uh, basically wanted to control the resources going. There was a lot of plundering going on, mm. as you would expect foreigners coming to Chult to basically strip mine it. Yeah. of all of its goods. There's definitely some colonialism. The, yeah, there's some colonial aspects there. And then the Chultans saying, no, these are this is our land, our resources. We're going to control the trade. We're mm. going to profit from the trade. And our culture is not going to be eradicated by you strange yeah. foreigners. Right. There's there uh, So the one of the main cultures doing sort of the colonialism is Am, which is a sort of an oligarchy of... Um, uh, wealthy families that control all of this vast territory on, on the mainland. And uh, that's the same country that did a lot of the colonialism in Mazteca, the sort of uh, Mesoamerica type setting. Mm -hmm. And they've actually, uh, per, I think, basically since third or well, maybe fourth edition, uh, done that kind of thing in the Moonshe Islands as well. 
um, because, you know, it's all about sort of gathering resources for them and money is power and all that kind of stuff. And we and talked about the, uh, the the whole government of Anne on a previous Lawyer Should Know segment, right. and that makes sense that they would need to go out and get resources because their their nation or their their, their territory that they control right. is not resource rich. Right, and and these wealthy families basically rely upon that wealth as power, and so mm-hmm. they have to go and find it elsewhere if they can't get it where they're at, mm-hmm. and they use their power to get it from elsewhere yeah. as you would expect them to do. And so the Chultons said, "Okay, here's the deal: we're going to war." against you and wipe you out, mm-hmm. or you can leave peacefully. What's your choice? What did they choose? They chose to leave. Because <laughs> uh, so, I, I don't think if there was like an American then, Revolution style well, uh, you know, uh, war if, of independence. If the, you know, it's in, if the jungle is increasingly filled with undead, and it was already filled yes. with dinosaurs in the first yes. place. Like, they, they, kind of, they did, Am did a risk analysis and decided <laughs> that it was not the resources that they would have had, to, the, the effort to which they would have had to gone to get those resources now, coupled with the disagreeable Chultons who are no longer divisive and at each other's throats, mm. um, just meant let's we have we have other places we can yeah. go is basically what they said. Well, in the, in the fourth edition period, there was a whole new continent of resources opened up yes. for them to colonialize and, yes. and deal with, and uh, that was just touched and very tangentially in the the fourth edition period in the core rule books, and then in a few articles and so on. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, at that time, there there wasn't a place for Ambians to go. It was. It was out there across the sea again. It was this new place that replaced Mestica, which recently they lost all their investments in. So <laughs> <laughs> didn't work out for them so much. But uh, so, despite the harsh cruelties of life in Chult, Port's, Port Nianzaru is a bit of an oasis. Um, it escaped war, calamity. Um, the people there are, uh, with the exception of some unfortunate poor folk, uh, pretty much behind safe walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a, a defense system in place to repel attacks both from the sea and from the land. And what kind of defense system is it? Uh, the, uh, like a militia or is it? They've got, they've got uh, essentially, uh, because they're um, a rich city, they've got top-of-the-line mercenaries, they've got mm. guards, they've got um, high walls, good uh, alarm systems, they've got a chain mechanism that they can uh, bring to bear to close off their harbor. Uh, and of course, they've got the dragon turtle, among other things. Um, oh, so like a like a uh, that was in um, Game of Thrones kind of style, like that mm-hmm. a big chain that could go across yeah. and then prevent ships from going in and out. Yeah. Oh, that's that's yeah. amazing. And there's it, the city has sort of a number of of hills that it's built on, and the, yes. that are sort of they the got lots of high ground um, to funnel, and they got ways to funnel invaders. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and most of what's coming at them isn't uh, a sort of an organized attack of armies or anything like that. It's it's zombies and dinosaurs and <laughs> yeah. 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 stuff like that. So. Yeah. Makes sense. All right, so the uh, the Merchant Princes is definitely a, a an interesting, at least to me, uh, yes. a new kind of concept. Uh, uh, and these are these are all they're all Cheltons, and they're all they're they all sort of came up naturally. Um, and sort of earned their place as merchant princes. They were the most influential people. Um, and uh, what kind of as, what kind of timeline are we talking about here that they that they pushed the Amnians away? Like how long? Oh, before? We're, ta- we're talking a very relatively short span of time. So like, like thirty within, years? Oh, less than that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, this is an, a fairly new system of government. It feels it is. young, scrappy, and hungry. Yeah, uh, uh, and um, there's they're not going to throw away their shot. 
Probably not. <laughs> and there's a sort of a system of assurance built into the place. It's not. It's sort of a bit of a hang uh, holdover from the days when they were sort of uh, when when Chult was this collection of tribes and kingdoms. The idea that these merchant princes, in order to sort of solidify their legacy, can choose their successors, mm. and often that could be a son or a daughter, or some some trusted person within their family. So they're kind of we're at the dawn of what could be new dynasties. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there's really sort of, in an in-world sense, there's a real collision of cultures there. There's sort of the, the lingering Amnian oligarchies and so on. Uh, there's sort of the uh, more um, tribal aspects of living and so on that was prevalent on Chult uh, for a long time, except for um, really a few key cities and so on that yeah. were um, uh, in ancient times. And then uh, there's the sort of pirates that kind of all around that area, up and down the, the coasts. Um, and all of those kind of come together and fuse into one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, the merchant princes, um, uh, one of them is named Akene Afa. She is a former gladiator. Ooh, cool. Uh, she came up through the gladiatorial contests of the city and basically made a lot of money by um, uh, her martial prowess. Mm-hmm. And she turned that into a, uh, a mercantile empire. And so she runs the gladiator system like similar to like actually, a Roman? she's totally out of the gladiator system oh, now. Okay. She, took, she took her earnings from that and basically launched off on stuff on her own. Interesting. So, so what is she, what's uh, her monopoly that she controls? Weapons. Weapons. Very useful in yeah. this culture. Uh, she's also diversified into other things as well. I, I think you can get a few, like, canoes or might be under her mantle. And do they like make, uh, is there a strong manufacturing uh, a bit within Chult, or do they import in those weapons? Uh, a little from column A, a little from column B. Okay. Um, uh, a, lot, a lot of what the Chultans rely on in Port Nines are they get themselves. Um, Chult is rich uh, with, with resources to make stuff. Um, so and yeah, it seems like it would make. And, s- and they're t- they're as technologically advanced in terms of their smithies and forge craft and jewelry making and weapon making as most other cultures. They use slightly different materials in some cases, yeah. different types of wood. They use things like the animal skins that they can get from the you know dinosaur populations, but uh, they don't lack in sophistication. Got it. Um, we mentioned the dinosaurs a few times here, and of course we covered that in a previous lore. You should know about now. How if you want to buy a dinosaur, yes. You have to talk to a merchant prince named Ifan Talroa. Um, and he's, unlike many of the merchant princes, he doesn't have a family. Uh, and he is in bed a lot with the Zentarim. Mm. He's basically using mercenaries to defend his merchant interests in the city. Uh, but yes, if you want a beast of any kind, you've got to deal with him or one of his subordinate merchants. Are there normal, you know, horses, camels, that type of thing, in addition to dinosaurs, or are dinosaurs pretty much the beast of burden? If they're brought in. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to find them. <laughs> they're not consumed right. by the dinosaurs. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, there isn't, there isn't a great deal of reason to, to bring in a horse or something like that. I mean, there's not a lot of place to ride it around. No. Uh, Chalt is not hospitable to horse riding, right. by and large. So, so you, know, you know, basically, you come and, and you, you buy the local uh, animals or, or rent right. them or whatever to do what you need. And those yeah. are almost all dinosaurs. Uh, yeah. And another little bit of fact, too, uh, the Zentarum in the modern Zentarum use flying snakes as messengers and couriers. Ooh. That's sort of creepy. And even their symbol, the Zentarum symbol, yeah. is a flying snake. Those come 
from here. And Ifan Talroa is largely responsible for bringing them to the Zentarum. Oh, no. So he was like their supplier as He's far their as supplier. Yeah. using them on the mainland. And, yeah. Oh, interesting. That's and he cool. sells flying snakes, but only to Zentarum. Mm. So if you're in that faction, you might yeah. be able to get one down yeah. here. Nice. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, and then there's probably one more merchant prince we should go into. Uh, we can't go into all of them, but no. one is uh, uh, the one that controls guides. Because that's going to be very important yes. for when you're adventuring uh, yes. in Port Nianzara. Yes. So if you if you want a legitimate guide, you have to deal through Jobal mm. or one of his designated representatives. Now you can get a guide who's off the grid, um, but that's obviously frowned upon. Yeah. Um, Jobal is he's a he's a complicated character. On the surface, he's very very nice and accommodating and friendly, and uh, his guides pay him a certain percentage in order to be on his register um, and to be legit. Um, but at the same time, if he finds out that you're a guide and you're not working for him, you could end up in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And if you employ a guide who is not working for him, you could probably never return from where you're going. Uh, so let the buyer beware. Yeah. Uh, there are some guides in Chult who do operate um, outside of Jobal. Some of them tend to operate out of a place called Fort Beloarian, which is a Baldur's Gate stronghold on Chult, and therefore just outside of Jobal's range and or reach. Um, About how far? It's like on the coast, like far away? It's or? it's a good distance away from Port Nainzaru, but it's still considered to be in the northern part of Chult. Okay. So relatively speaking, you could get there in a matter of days. Um, if you and, don't get killed first. Yeah. But, you know, Jobal's got eyes and ears everywhere, and so you got to really watch that. Um, Interesting. Yes. All right, cool. Um, anything else about uh, Port Nianzara that might be of interest to people as they start prepping for Tomb of Annihilation? Well, we would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the dinosaur races. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was the races say, have, we, have we not brought that up yet? Because <laughs> that's sort of the main oeuvre of this place. If you're going to go to Port Nianzara for any reason, aside from like buying a dinosaur or going off on an which adventure, you should do. From which you're not <laughs> to, going off on an adventure from which you're not likely to return. Uh, the thing to do in Port Nianzaru is race dinosaurs, or if you're not that courageous, uh, bet on the dinosaur races. Um, and Tomb of Annihilation talks about both, both you going into the races yourself as a, as a racer or just trying to make a buck. Right, so the, um, each of the race, like it's a, the, there's jockeys basically who yes. pilot, pilot the, the, exactly. the horses. Yes, yeah. and there's, there's routes through the city that they take. And, uh, oh, so it's like an F1 race, like a yeah, little bit, like through yeah, the city? Yeah. Oh, no yeah, way. Yeah, it's like the, the car races in Montenegro or something like that. For and some reason, I had thought of a, a, a Coliseum or like uh, a, a, no, a no, oval it's, track. It's just through the streets. Yeah, they don't no. have the space for Coliseum. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it was not part of the city plan. Uh, <laughs> not, not, not on that scale, anyway. And so, so if so they just go down the street, do people know when they're going to happen? Or oh, does yes. That, oh, yeah, yes. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, there's warning. And streetways are cleared where the dinosaurs are expected to run. And uh, spectators will climb up on the rooftops and on the walls and things to get a better view of, of oh, cool. the proceedings. And then uh, 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 there's a good amount of money to be made if you're if you're lucky and you bet on the right bet on the right horse, as it were. Nice. Might be and, a good way to seed your adventure with yeah. uh, with some gold. Uh, Tomb of Annihilation uh, mechanically includes rules for placing wagers as well as rules for participating in the race. There's sort of an abstract uh, race rule system, nice. and also a number of uh, known dinosaurs with quirky names that you can bet on. Um, the one to beat is, I can't remember what the name is. I don't know. 
They were funny. I, I, I've been playing some some playtest uh, stuff with Bart Carroll as, as Dungeon Master. And yeah. I remember one of the racing dinosaurs is named Banana Candy. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that, that name came from Kate Irwin, our art director. So. Which makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Banana candy. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of fun. Uh, it feels like um, uh, like the, the horse racing kind of yeah. idea where they have. I think like there's another one. Things. It might be a Triceratops or one of the big bulky ones who's named Mountain Thunder or something like that. But nice. Yeah. I love it. All right. So, yeah, uh, that's Port Nyanzaru. Uh, hopefully we gave you a lot of things to... Um, uh, think about uh, as far as pre- prepping your adventure when it comes out in uh, September. So um, we will close that out here. And uh, thank you guys. So if they want to ask more questions about uh, uh, Nyan Zaru as it comes up, uh, where can they reach you on Twitter? They can reach me on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. What about you, Mr. Uh, Cernet? At Cernet, S E R N E T T. I just, it was recently that I realized that at Cernet is. Rhymes with Matt Cernet. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, yes. I can't put an M in front of it to make it. No, yeah, it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. It's easy to remember then as soon as you get that going on. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, we'll come back with some more Laurie Snow later on. All right. Uh, that was a really fun segment. I really like hearing about uh, both rules and lore, sometimes at the same time. Like we, get, we get both of them sometimes. It's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just weird. It is weird. It yeah. is weird because we're time travelers. It's a good thing I'm a theater. We are explorers of the multiverse. Yeah. Uh, and in that way, we're going to go to the, uh, the the land where where God's Fall takes place and or the Dungeon Rats and hear from Adram Vartian about, uh, about uh, some stuff he's got going on. So let's call him up. Hey. Hello. How's it going? We don't have video, but we do have an, an awesome picture that you provided oh, to us. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> Which one did you pick? We did the uh, the blue uh, and orange flame. Perfect. <laughs> I love that one because I was like, awesome. oh, it's it's an action shot from you know real life. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. Because I can do that. That's you in the kitchen, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just you know, Making cooking up things. Flambe. Yeah. Bananas foster. <laughs> Uh, so I was telling Shelly that we have talking talked to you before, uh, but she would looked at me blankly, and I'm like, "No, we have," but it was not it was not her. She was not here. It was, so it was Trevor. Right. It was never Trevor. So what can you tell her as well as uh, our listeners uh, for people who may not know of of your work? Well, uh, my name is Aram, and I run a uh, actual play podcast called God's Fall, which has an original world uh, using the D and D rules, and I've been running that for a couple years now, and we're just wrapping up our first world book. That is really cool. I was reading about that, actually. I'm pretty excited. Uh, I had no plans on doing it. I am a high school dropout. I have never <laughs> written anything, you know, uh, for publication ever. And the fans were just insistent. And so we ran a Kickstarter. They were wonderfully supportive. And we're finally wrapping it up now. There's some amazing art in it. Uh, almost all the artists were fans of the show. So we'd get art from people. And I'd be like, oh, they're amazing. I'd love to work with them in the future. So we were able to – in incorporate all of them into the book and that really made me happy so these were like artists that provided fan art for the podcast before or how did you exactly oh that's exactly. really cool some of them have never published uh some of them are just getting started out a couple of them are more professional but i mean most of them are pretty new to the game so it was great to be able to work together with them that is awesome so you yeah. have you said you've never published anything but how do you begin working on a world book that was a, that, well, that's a good question. Um, I worked for news uh, newspapers for 14 years. Okay. So I had some ideas as far as as far as the graphic design, the layout, uh, the technical work I could do. 
it, as far as the writing, I just I had written so much for the game. I just incorporated a lot of it, wrote a lot more, and just had help. I just reached out to my fans and said, "Listen, if you want to help me edit it, if you want to help me work through this, if you have ideas, you know, I you know I need all the help I can get." And then I just and then I blew way past my uh, deadline because I had no idea how long it was going to take. Uh, but it's it's coming together well. Sweet. So, what, for for what what is the the core nugget of what makes God's Fall uh, cool beyond the live play uh, uh, audio stuff, which is amazing. I love the 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 uh, production that you put into it. I know you. When we last talked, you said you spend like twenty to thirty hours in post production uh, uh, creating yeah. each episode, which is crazy. Uh, so I hope <laughs> hope that's shortened uh, the more you've done it. Um, it has. Thank God. <laughs> good. But what? Thank uh, all the God. What what is God's Fall? How would you how would you describe it to someone who who didn't know the setting at all? God's Fall is basically uh, it, it. It began as a traditional fantasy world with a pantheon of gods and a world that involved magic that came from the gods, and then uh, the people began to turn inwards. Their magic became so powerful, their cities became so grand that they turned away from the gods and kind of into themselves. And the largest city. Uh, on the planet bore its own god of man. So a god was born to this plane, and that caused a huge uh, war between all the gods who killed each other and obliterated most of the world. So everything that's left is in this small eye of a continuous world storm that swallows the rest of the planet. It destroyed the gods, it destroyed magic, and now in this broken, drowned world, uh, the players are the new gods because their power is coming back a hundred years later. So if, if you kind of think superpowers plus Dungeons and Dragons, that's the niche that we're in. Neat. That sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. And so the world book uh, kind of goes into the detail of uh, like each of the cultures that you guys have experienced as well as uh, histories on these gods? Absolutely. There's a whole bunch of really meaty story detail. And then, of course, there's every single god's individual divinities that I've designed to kind of lay over uh, um, a regular D&D character. Mm. So there's these at-will powers, uh, and there's that, and there's an, an extra stat called a divinity a score, and each each god is attached to like strength or dexterity or intelligence. And so there's 36 different power uh, trees along with uh, the normal abilities you would have as a player, but it can be dropped into any campaign. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Do you it's have been a lot of work. <laughs> a, a template for for other people who want to uh, uh, create, you know, their own thing that might fit their homebrew campaign or something like that. It's it's not. I mean, it's kind of just thinking up ideas. There's a re I, I really honest honestly, it was so hard. <laughs> Writing technically is so hard. Yeah. It was so difficult to get that done. I haven't thought beyond that as far as a template, but I have thought of a template for demigods because if a if a god has a child with a mortal. They produce a demigod, which has a fraction of their power. So mm -hmm. I have worked on that, but maybe in the future we'll do another book. <laughs> <laughs> what Finish your, this one first. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What are your thoughts on the demigod as portrayed in the Disney movie Moana? Oh my god, I love that movie. I love so that good, movie so much. I cried. It it it, it 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 was the first Disney movie where it really seemed like there was some. I mean, there's there's always heart in Disney movies, but this one seemed like there was heart that was kind of free of some of the other trappings of Disney. There was an honesty to it. I absolutely love that movie. 
I do too. Yeah, I, my kids have just recently uh, uh, delved into it like super hardcore. So I've been watching it a lot more, and I've been like, oh, this is a nice change of pace of the movie that I'm going to watch over and over again. Right. Yeah, you're, yeah, you'll <laughs> you watch like that it. 37 more times this week. I bet, right? Yeah, it's a good thing that the songs are so so catchy. I gotta. Yeah. I haven't seen the whole thing. I've seen like chunks of it. Me too. And like different, Honestly. like just walk. I, yeah, like not even in order. I really don't know the story that well. Ah. Well, it's it's all about a super powered uh, crab and his uh, his uh, princess sidekick. From what I from, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the crab. I like the crab. We watch yeah. his song on YouTube a lot. That is a, oh, absolutely. Good, I love that it. I took me a while, but it, that it was the uh, the guy from Flight of the Concords. from Flight of the Concords, yes. exactly. Yeah. And then he was doing his like Bowie impression. Yes. Yeah. Basically, Same. he just he, he just whipped out something he's been doing for ten years, and it was brilliant. Yeah, that's a crap. Perfect. That makes perfect as a sense. Crab. I know. And yeah. a sidekick princess. <laughs> I like it. There you go. Uh, so, did you just recently move? Is that right? Oh yeah, I'm in uh, Chicago now. I moved from D.C. to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, I love D.C. The gaming community there isn't quite as strong as in some other cities because it's it's such a tr- a transient. Uh, city and I just met an amazing group of improv actors and musicians and comedians up here and it's been the most creative space I've been in probably my entire life in Chicago now absolutely that's cool yeah we actually just talked to a few comedians you were just there yeah yeah one of the uh, uh, amazing actors yeah, and comedians. Sure. I don't remember our paths crossing, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, in the suburbs. A lot of the people yeah. from uh, the, the the comedian world that we talked to on this podcast all come from Chicago. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Oh, sure. It's like a hotbed yeah, the, comedy. Well, the improv scene is insane. I, have, I mean, I was told about it before I got here. I'd never experienced anything like it. There's dozens of clubs there's thousands of people involved in it and they are very very dedicated nice does that uh uh uh, cross over into their dungeons and dragons play you know it's funny you ask that because i just i started recently on a on a show with my friends up here and uh it's called the dungeon rats and the entire idea of the show is that we're our characters are trapped in this endless magical dungeon and the listeners submit ideas. So each week, whatever encounters or rooms or creatures we run into our listeners submitted ideas. And because they're in, and because they're all improv actors, they just roll with them. I mean, I am just, Oh, I'm just hanging on. I am the straight guy. That's just trying to be decently funny along with an unbelievable cast. It's, and and it's, it's, it's also probably the best produced thing I've ever been involved in. It's, it, it sounds better than my show. I've learned a lot from these guys. So did you say you knew these guys before you moved or you just came across this group? I ran into Pat who, uh, Patrick O'Rourke who runs the show because I ran into the one shot guys up here and we just clicked. He had this idea for a show. I was on board. I guest starred once and then we just ran uh, with it. Um, The other producer on the show is Carlos and he writes original music every single week, which is amazing. That is amazing. So there there is a lot of work that goes into it. But yeah, I just met him. Uh, I had planned to move up to to the area because I have family up here and it just worked out great. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. You got into uh, uh, the right group, it, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, I mean, I'm, I'm at this point in my life, I'm 41 years old, I abandoned a rather successful video uh, career to do Dungeon and Dragons, you know, full time. <laughs> and it just, everything's kind of lined up perfectly. I just got really, really lucky. Uh, everything's come up. So I, I, I was going to say everything comes up around, but then when I was talking to <laughs> you and your brother, I noticed that I was like, was he calling you Adam? Cause he had, Oh, 
No, it's no, no, it's Adam. Uh, it's Adam, or it's Aram, or it's Aram. I mean, it can be said so many different ways. I uh, trust me, I've heard everything. I spent a good time in the Navy hearing Aram Varshan, so <laughs> I've heard everything. Nice. All right. So I started when I was telling Shelley, I, yeah. I used the uh, the way your brother pronounced it uh, because sure. I was like, oh right, yeah, that feels more uh, uh, true to to, to life. <laughs> oh sure. Because he's been doing it a few times. I'm sure he said your name a couple times. Yeah, I've heard it from him a lot. Usually yelled, you know. Yeah, maybe it just sounds different when you're screaming it. Yeah, exactly. right, exactly. <laughs> I guess that different is different inflection. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, uh, so yeah, you you were busy at work getting this book ready. When do you think it's going to be delivered? It is absolutely going to be wrapped this month. Uh, we are doing the final edits on it now, uh, and as soon as I am 100% happy that it's good, the PDF goes out immediate, immediately, and then it goes to uh, crack and print here in uh, in Chicago, which is a brilliant print house. And then we're going to knock it out. We're going to print um, a map on the inside uh, cover wrap for some oh, of cool. our supporters. There, there, there's all these little additions they can do that's really going to make this book shine. So this is an actual printed product that you're oh yeah just a pdf yeah. that's awesome it's it's a it's right now it's 278 pages it it, it may fluctuate a bit uh i'm not 100 percent sure yet but but probably right around that number that's pretty impressive man well, so well, is it well, weird it, to like to write this i mean this these yes. are like your notes and your yeah. your world that's in your head and now it's coming out there into the world it's completely insane. Yeah. I, every time, I mean, I'm just, I'm looking at the InDesign layout right now and it's insane for me to, I mean, as soon as I have the print a product, it's, it's, it's going to feel like someone else did it. I mean, you know, I, yeah. I honestly don't know how I'm going to react. I'm probably just, just going to break it and cry because it's been so much effort. But yeah, it is weird. It's the whole thing is weird, you know? So how will people be able to get this book that maybe if they didn't know about the Kickstarter? So we're going to, uh, we are currently taking signups right now uh, for, reservations. We're going to be launching our backer kit store shortly. But if you go to godsfall.com slash worldbook, all the information is right there, okay. including previews of the book, of the art. Uh, there's a video preview of our first adventure. One of the things we're working on is that once the world book's out, I want to do adventures, but I want to combine them with what we do. So I'm going to take every single description box and I'm going to record them uh, with uh, music and sound effects that bleed in and out. So when you're at your table, you can actually play the description boxes and kind of bring some of what we do right to your own uh, table. That is really cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm I, excited. I almost, I mean, maybe this is a tall order, but get together with like someone who's a, a an app cre creator or or you know a, yeah. a programmer or something like that, and have like a little soundboard that people could use when they're absolutely. Playing. We actually work with uh, Battle Bards, who uh, oh, yeah. who produces all of our well, who offers us all of uh, their audio to use in the show. So I'm, you know, and they and they have an app. So maybe we can team up. I'll have to ask them about that. That'd be great. I've been meaning to to get together with those guys. They're in like Ir Irvine, California. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and they're they are the best. They they work so hard, and they are so nice, and they've been so generous to just give us their entire uh, catalog. So I would, yeah, I would highly su uh, suggest having a talk with them. Neat. That is good stuff. Um, and uh, so the, uh, are, are you still able to record God's Fall with the, oh, yeah. the guys? Oh, yeah. I fly home. No way, really? I fly, yeah, oh. I fly I fly home like once every other month. We record for an entire weekend. I get about uh, eight, maybe ten shows out of it. I come back, I edit it, and I fly back home. Our Patreon supporters are very loyal. 
<laughs> that is super cool. And it's also like the best way to experience Dungeons and Dragons, I think, where it's like concentrated, you know, few days, oh, yeah. no distractions. Yeah. Yep. You can really delve into the story. Yeah, yeah. I am I, I tend to be a taskmaster. And now that we've got the new audio at Rick, I'm just I'm just gonna be worse. But they seem to enjoy still playing with me, so it's working out okay. <laughs> People still enjoy listening. It's not a day uh, uh, goes by on Twitter where people don't uh, recommend me to start listening. And I'm like, yeah. I know, it's amazing. Uh, uh, we, uh, Greg oh, was soliciting questions on what to ask you, and several of the questions, or maybe I, from what I was seeing, is people were just like, he's just great. Ask him why he's great. <laughs> why is he so awesome? What, so why are you so awesome? So yeah, what's the, what's yeah. the secret sauce here? I don't, I, I mean, no one could really answer that. I mean, the, <laughs> the only thing I could, the only thing I could tell you as far as my relationship with the fans that I try and be as open as possible. I try and listen to as many ideas as possible. I think a lot, not a lot of creators, but sometimes there's a tendency for creators to, to kind of guard what they make and maybe get a little defensive be, when someone's listening and they have an idea or they have a complaint or they have an issue with something you've done or maybe a way they think they can make it better. They're not doing it to, to, to knock on you. They're doing it because they love what you're doing and they want to help and they want to yeah. be involved. And first, and I think that if you incorporate those ideas, if you welcome them and go, Oh, this is great. This is great. How can I use this? It just makes for a better ex experience for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and we live. I mean, obviously, there's lots of negative parts about uh, uh, having a, a society that's so connected to the internet and all that thing. Sure. But th there is positives, uh, which is just what you're talking about. That you can get that kind of feedback like immediately and incorporate it, you know, into into uh, the production. Absolutely. You 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 can go nuts doing that too. There's got to be a balance, but it is really helpful. <sighs> Um, so yeah, obviously we've been talking a lot about God's Fall, uh, and uh, a good question came up in the Twitch chat. By maybe I'm... the best handle ever. <laughs> DM Jazzy Hands <laughs> says, uh, <laughs> if people want to start, uh, should they start at the beginning, or is it the type of show where they can pick up in the middle? Oh, see, the, the, for me, I'm the kind of a person that I, I need to watch something from beginning to end. There's a lot of lore. There's a lot of background. There's a lot of history. We don't we are what we call a serious D&D podcast. So <laughs> there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of information you're going to miss out on. But there is a page on our website. If you go to uh, godsfall.com slash welcome, it has the history episodes. It has the intro episodes and it shows you several points. You can actually come into the story because we also have a, a season one wrap up episode. So if, if you just want to get caught up on season one and then plunge right into season two, you can do that as well. If you want to listen to the intros, you can do that. If you want to skip the history episodes, you can do that. So there's several points in. That's, this is amazing. Yeah. Like you really have this and you haven't been doing it that long and you have this oh. all figured out. Well, I mean, I just listened. I listened to what people wanted and I was like, okay, well, I'll incorporate that. I'll do this. I'll fix that because that's the best way to learn how to do something. That's how I've always learned. I mean, I'm, a, I, you know, again, I'm a high school dropout. Everything I've ever learned as far as editing, video, uh, production, design, I've taught myself. So, you know, or I've listened to someone, I've had someone who knows what they're doing show me. Mm. So if you don't listen, how are you going to learn? So why did you drop out? <laughs> oh God! Because it was a, because be, because I was a gay kid who was too much in his own head, and high school was torture in yeah. nineteen ninety, you know, nineteen ninety in Virginia. It was torture, oh, and Virginia. I just yeah. yeah, I just ran. I ran away, and I ran for a long time. It took me until I was twenty five years old to finally stop running, sit down, figure out what I wanted to do. So I started taking apart. 
websites. I got a GeoCities account. I taught myself web design. That got me into my first newspaper where I learned graphic design. That got me a camera in, in my hands where I learned video and editing and <laughs> photography and layout. And I just spent 14 years kind of, you know, that was my school. That was my real education was, was working. And that I was able to, to spin all that into what I do now. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, it's sad that it came from a, a place of hardship, but sure. You know, I feel like most good things do. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Now has your, has your, you know, identity as a, as a gay man, like kind of, uh, uh changed up how you, uh, uh, run a, a D and D campaign. Is that, do you, do you ever try to infuse, uh, some of those values into, into the stories? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I write, I, I do what's, I do what's called write it out. Um, I don't have, there is no, the gods in my world were gender fluid, were very, uh, were very sexually fluid. There's no, there's no real concept of, uh, bigotry towards gay people, uh, people with different sexualities, transgender people, non-binary people. It, it's all kind of part of what the gods do. So everyone else kind of in, you know, incorporated those ideas. So I just simply wrote those concepts out. There's, there's no real racism between humans because why would you when there's orcs, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, so I was able to write all of those societal ills we have kind of out or interpret them in different ways. Like there's tension between the humans and orcs or, you know, a dragon is like this. And, and, and so I was able to, to take away the individual sting of it while mm -hmm. still talking about it, but giving everyone kind of equal footings. So they could just be and just listen to a story that would include characters like them. I love that world. It it's a good world. Sounds, I wish it was our world. I know, really. <laughs> it sounds rather therapeutic the way that you yeah. can write this world and explore different things in a safe it's pretty, space. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been great for me. I've gotten letters from fans where, I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't do it on purpose. I just kind of did it, right? There was, right. There was so no, as, like... As it moved you, right? Yeah. Like, exactly. And I didn't really think about how that was going to affect uh, people and some of the fans uh, who don't have, who haven't been so privileged to have the outlets uh, like I do, who are young kids in in Georgia or young kids in in many other countries as well, which has shocked me how international our um, audience has become. This is kind of like one of their only outlets. Mm -hmm. And even now, if you look at popular television and movies, there are LGBT characters, but there is, I mean, they get killed off or they don't find love or, you know, they're just, they're always kind of pushed to the side Best and we friend. put them right to the front. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and we shove them right to the front so that they can have full experience lives, but just treat them as any other people. And I think that that really gives a nice entry point for some people who don't normally have those stories. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if, if, uh, you know, do you have any advice for someone who would want to incorporate that kind of stuff into their D and D campaign without it feeling like, you know, shoehorned in. Yeah, I would say just write it. I mean, just write yeah. a person and and they just happen to be gay or they mm -hmm. just happen to be non-binary. And if you can bring it up in ways where it's not, you know, like, oh, let's like, this is the story of the week. Let's showcase this and then never speak about it again. <laughs> just have it be part of their character. And if you don't know these people and you're writing them, talk to people who live these lies. Don't think you can just do it. Because you can't, and I've learned that. I mean, I thought I was aware, and I made a giant mistake recently in my uh, in my show, and 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 I learned from that mistake. So never assume 
you're the most open-minded individual because there's always somebody who knows a little bit more and it's good to ask them before you write something. This is really uh, uh, pulling two of these conversation threads together into one is that your openness in uh, dealing with feedback and, you know, uh, uh, ch changing up the show based on what your audience says and also uh, working in these different, uh, you know, characters that don't normally see uh, as much uh, uh, spotlight. Mm -hmm. Both of them happening at the same time is kind of amazing. You know? It's you know it's it's we are very lucky. We are in a place where people feel safe enough to be honest with us, and I'm just going to keep listening and keep writing for as long as I can. Do you are you comfortable talking about what the mistake was? Oh sure. Now I'm um, interested. Oh no, sure. Uh, I, so all of my arisen gods are um, you know like there's a god of animals, there's a god of force, there's a god of water, and one of the gods was a god of plants, and it is a it is literally an awakened cactus. It is a it is a cactus that is kind of shaped like a person that has come to life. And as I was talking about this character, one of my fans asked me if the cactus would be non-binary. And I and I was like, well, of course the cactus would because it just made sense in my head, but I didn't really think about it because mm -hmm. I was thinking of and I was thinking of the cactus as more of a collection of plants and less of a person. And so instead of referring to the cactus as they and them, I referred to the cactus as it. And that is a huge no, no, that is a slur, basically. Uh, mm. And I, I just didn't think about it. I just, it wasn't in my headspace. And some of my fans who feel very, very safe in my show felt, you know, kind of T-boned yeah. by me doing that. So I, you know, I went back and I, and I put, an, and I cut an apology into the episode and I've learned a lot and I'm writing more inclusive characters in the future from what I have learned. So hopefully I can help, you know, repair a bit of that damage I, uh, I created. And that's an important, you know, way to think about it because it's not necessarily that like, because someone could take that, uh, uh, you know, valid criticism and react, be like, well, that's just the way it is. It's just fantasy. Right. And that's just the way I thought of it. Uh, mm -hmm. And re react in that kind of like, you know, it's not a big deal type situation. And I've, I've heard people say that, especially when talking about fantasy, but not realizing yep. that, that you, the creator, uh, make decisions that affect your audience, you know, without, yeah. you know, and uh, so, that, you know. Kudos to you to be able to, t to take yeah. that and be like, here, let's move on and, and learn from it. And you're educating sure. others on it. You've educated us. Yeah. And Absolutely. our listeners. So that's good. I know. That's what I hope, you yeah. know. And, and honestly, like, I mean, if, he, if, if someone comes to you and says, I was hurt by this, that is a real thing. Whether or not you agree, whether or not you understand, someone is hurt. You can't just wave that away by saying, I disagree. That person is still going to be hurt. So you either deal with them or you don't. I mean, yeah. that's the only real option. That's what I feel like I do with my with my kids, and I'm seeing, yeah. uh, uh, you know, yeah, all the all the dad comments are showing up in Twitch, and I remember that you would mentioned that. <laughs> so yeah, it's all coming uh, out. But yeah, no, it does feel like that where you're like, you know, hey, it doesn't matter that you know your sister took that thing from you, yeah. and that's why you hit her in the face. Like that's not important. What's important is that she's hurt, right? You exactly. need to apologize to her for hurting her. The reasons don't matter. Yep. Oh, man, it's pain. Absolutely. Well, I you know, like, actually, mom guilt. <laughs> you mentioned Shelly's doing parenting all wrong now. She's just realizing <laughs> I have so many apologies. <laughs> As you're mentioning the dad uh, uh, thing, I have a young audience. Uh, well, some of them are young and they have taken to calling me DM dad. So oh, for I was going to ask about that. I saw that, oh, that graphic on your website. 
It's the best for Father's Day. They sent me art and cookies and oh, cards, and it was just, uh, they sent me have. a little it's stuffed true. hat. I mean, I was in tears. It was so sweet because, you know, I'm a single dude. I'm probably not, not going to have uh, kids. And for people to kind of look at me as like a somewhat fatherly yeah. figure was an incredibly sweet thing. That you is. Know? And to recognize yeah. you on that special day. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, have, it was I have great. Uh, the song Father Figure playing in my head right oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I still have I have Greatest American Hero because that was on your uh, was that the intro that I was listening to then? Or like the it was- we did do, Overview. we slipped Greatest American Hero into the first episode. Yeah. 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 And yeah into the world building episodes. Because, you know, as serious that. as we are, jokes are important. Yes. <laughs> Can't take yourself too seriously. Man, I love that show. Absolutely not. I know, right? I love the Why American are they Hero. remaking that? They're remaking everything. They are everything. remaking it. Oh, they are? They are remaking it. I saw something about it. I haven't seen it in a while, but I know for a fact they are actually remaking that, and I'm sure it's going to be terrible. But, <laughs> but you know, the original show was terrible, so in maybe that'll way. work out well. Right. Terrible in a good way. Did we know it <laughs> yeah. was terrible when we were watching yeah. it then? Not at all. Right, right. You know, I I had older siblings who were like nine years older than me, so I think they thought it was terrible, but they yeah. begrudgingly watched it with me, and then they started to like it a bit. Yeah. You know? Sure. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I was aware of its campiness, I, I think, as it was happening. I, I just thought it was cool. That was part of what made it fun. Yep. Loved yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And it that theme song still holds up. It does. That is a great really theme does. song. That is a show, I think, that was carried by its theme song. And that is not a, you know, yeah. that's a rare accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what, what's the theme song for your next show that you're going to do? <laughs> oh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, I'm... Uh, Carlos just wrote it. I'm working oh. on a uh, actual play podcast that is set in the carnival world. If you guys watched that no show, oh, really? yeah. yeah, you're finally going to finish that story. <laughs> oh yeah, I love that show so much. I am so pissed at HBO for them not finishing that that's, uh, that like, story. I'm finish it myself. Yeah. There was supposed to be a graphic novel. It never happened. So I'm just gonna we're just gonna rewrite the story, rewrite the world, and just dive right back in. So that's I have cool. to ask because. I've heard you mention it, and I read about it when people were describing your podcast and all. I've never heard actual play as a term. To that was the first time I had heard it, too, what frankly. It, what does I, that mean? <laughs> it means that you're just, I mean, you're that the uh, there's a lot of fantasy story shows which are not which are not scripted but are also not based on a game, right? So you take, uh, like, the Magic Tavern, right? It's, Im- it's improvised, but... It's not based on dice. So actual play is basically improvised storytelling where there's dice involved. That's how I understand oh. it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I even think of it just as like, you know, uh, uh, there's there's streaming uh, video of people playing Dungeons and Dragons. And then actual play is the podcast version, like the audio of, oh, people, yeah. of people playing Dungeons and Dragons. Just just audio. There's just no video. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, yeah. But yeah, there's different be, there's different variations of that. It's like your show that. is is way more edited and uh, has sound effects and things like that, where some people just put turn on a microphone and just play it too sometimes. Oh sure, yeah. I mean that's how I learned. That's how I learned the five E rules. I uh, I found out that there were these shows that had players actually playing the game, and I thought, okay, great, I can sit down at someone's table and learn the rules naturally. I can just incorporate them. What I found out was that you know I, my expectation for everyone to know the rules. Was probably a bit high, which is why we in, uh, we put a buzzer and bell uh, system into our show the first year. So every time we 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 uh, we got a rule right, we would ding it, and every time we we got a rule wrong, we'd buzzer it so the audience knew that we were screwing things up. I remember those. 
awesome. we, we, they're, they're, they're far less frequent now. I, I think I get like one a show now where I'll mess up. <laughs> it's so funny how those like, yeah, older rules editions, people still say it now uh, in the office. We'll be like, oh, make a spot check. Oh, wait, no. Mm-hmm. I just, <laughs> oh. I ran a whole surprise round for about 20 minutes recently and then realized there is no surprise round in D&D anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You have advantage on your roles. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, there's just little, and you know, it's it's such a streamlined system, but it is hard to peel 3.5 rules out of your brain mm-hmm. when you played them for 10 years, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and it was so codified, you know, like there were mm-hmm. every, everything was, was ruled out. So, you know, yeah, exactly. Oh, God. I remember I sat at a table for 10 minutes while my players tried to work out the arc of an arrow if it would pass over people and then come back down to earth. And they were all engineers, so they're doing the math that I'm the just parabolas. I just have a pin, oh, I have a I have a pencil at my neck. I'm like, we have to wrap this up right now because <laughs> I cannot take any more of this. <laughs> like this, this math is why I quit school. <laughs> right, exactly. This is why this half the reason I ran away. PTSD. God. Oh my god, that's funny. So, do you guys have any? Have you ever talked about doing any live streaming of this podcast or strictly audio? This podcast can't be live. I streamed. I mean, it just can't. There's a, we do way too much editing. That's There's what way I said too much about audio. This would, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I now said we look. have to do a stream live. <laughs> uh, we, we, I am working on forming a network with some of the people up here, and we are planning several different shows. And some of the shows we're planning will be live streams. In fact, the Dungeon Rats that I'm on began as a live stream and then became a podcast. Oh. So we're definitely going to do something. We're just not sure what. Yeah, yet. that group I can see doing something live because you know oh yeah they're, yeah, they're they theatrical improv comedians yeah 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 it's it's my biggest fear i don't i mean i am a stutterer uh th- this kind of thing where it's live is terrifying to me and having like the camera on my face and having to worry about all that is i like i like editing in post because editing is lying you can make it wherever you want to it's the best i like that too editing is lying editing is lying isn't that like a kurt vonnegut line line where like what do you it do for a living and he's like i i lie for a living Yes, that's yes. That, oh God, I love him so much. That absolutely is one of his lines. He lies for a, you know, storytelling is lying. Yep. Yeah, you know, in a nice way, <laughs> for 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 dramatic and or comedic effect. Exactly, it's lying for the good. <laughs> Your podcast is really beautiful to listen to. Oh, it's thank you. It's just like soothing. Like I just, I found myself just kind of getting lost in it, and just, and then it was over. I was there's. A, well, there's something I'm working on called Of Now and Then at ofnowandthen.com where I, where I take uh, stories that are in the public domain and turn them into full audio production. So if you like that, Ooh. I've got a couple really good ones up there, including a Kurt Vonnegut uh, story, actually. No way, really? Yeah. Uh, it's um, that one. I have The Machine Stops. I have um, – uh, oh, God. What is it called? Uh, um, the Well uh, from HP Lovecraft. What the heck is that one? Oh, the color out of space. So there's some really good classic stories up there already. Neat. And then yeah. you're just going to kind of read them and then have dramatic sound effects in the background and that kind of thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, lots of music. And then when we get into like more produced novels, I'm going to get multiple people. So there'll be different voices and it'll just be a full production. Oh, that's Ooh, cool. That'd be cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you should get yeah. into some of the, the, the more of the H.P. Lovecraft stuff because those were those epistolary novels that or short stories that he writes, they're – very hard to read. Mm-hmm. They're so hard to read. <laughs> they're they're some of them are listen to, but uh, yeah, I feel like they would be much better as like performed. I really do because yep. it's so dense. And then if you were to make it flowery and actually have each of the 
you know, uh, uh, you know, some of them are like the progression of madness. So like, you know, the, the vocal uh, uh, stylings could start somewhere where they're, you know, uh, uh, very normal sounding and then they get their, their, their voice changes modulation over time. Like that'd be super interesting. Absolutely. There's just so much you can do and there's so much room to play with them. And, you know, again, they're all just there's hundreds of these. There's thousands of these stories that are just available to work with. And they're all amazing. There was uh, The Machine Stops has blown me away. It was written over 100 years ago. And it is so true to today that I it literally stopped me in my tracks several times when I was uh, producing it. it it's, it's a stunning story. It, is it like uh, prescient and in, in what's it, happening now? It basically talks about a whole society that it has turned its life over to the machine. They live in these small little honeycomb cells underground. All of their contact with each other is through the machine. So it's all video and audio relays. It talks about how it, and it even talks about how how people have, have become shorter tempered with each other because they're so used to everything being so, you know, so clean and so precise that daily interactions have become short and ill. I mean, everything about it hits on our modern day life. And, and again, it was written in, in the late 1800s. Wow. What a yeah. cool idea that you're doing this. Uh, it's, well, I can't stop. I it. Good. <laughs> I can't. I can't stop. I can't, can't stop, stop making stop. new things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good. We don't want you to. Keep it going. Awesome. So I feel like awesome. you've, you've only, like I said, you've only done this for a couple of years now, 2015. Yep. Um, yeah. And I, but how have you seen or how have you seen the the landscape change in like because I feel like D and D has kind of exploded in this genre, the live streaming Absolutely. and the podcasting. So what are you seeing that's or how has it changed since you started doing this? I think I've seen two things. I think uh, when when I started the the whole reason I began God's Fall was because I wanted to add an idea of production into it because there was a lot of people that again would just turn the mic on in the room but there wasn't a lot of like introduction or background story so i think that a lot more people have begun crafting their world and presenting them as full stories but the main thing i've seen is access again there are people who you know don't have a group of dnd friends that they can reach or don't even have a group perhaps of friends in their town because they're just isolated and this world gives them away and because the technology has advanced to meet it they can now reach out online and form parties and groups and friends they can record whole podcasts with people who live in different countries in different time zones That's i think insane. that the access has been unbelievable and the key point of that is how dungeon and dragons has made itself so open what you guys have done by you know, by giving people an open license, by being welcoming to the community, by incorporating them in and kind of giving them an official stamp and saying, yeah, we not only do we approve of this, but we think it helps push our company forward and our and our own ideas uh, forward has been revolutionary. Without that, I honestly don't think it could have happened. Nice. All right. Well, I'll, uh, Shelly will pat herself on the back for that. Good job. <laughs> that was well awesome. done. Because that all happened yep. before I got here even, too. Mm. So. It's well, amazing. it's been impressive, and I think it's really grown the community. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah we're trying. I mean, I think it's one of those things where uh, I think uh, focusing on creators and people that are making something is what D&D is all about. I mean, right. it is storytelling. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, in the past, people used to get uh, hung up on, you know, the IP and, and, and uh, controlling over it, and now we're at this point where Dungeons & Dragons – is just a framework for everybody who has the idea of telling stories to their kids, to their to their peers, to everyone, um, and empowering that and giving that framework. And uh, once we've embraced that, I think it locked into a lot of people's imaginations. I think almost 
in response to the uh, themes that are going on in that story, The Machine, where a lot of people are, um, you know, walling themselves off from from worlds and stories in a way and only passively uh, engaging in stuff. And uh, so Dungeons & Dragons has been this thing where people can uh, meet face-to-face with someone at a table uh, and, and tell stories and have that wonderfulness happen in real time that you don't get when you're in this, you know, connected world all the time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, again, you know, stories have brought us together throughout time. They were yeah. our, they, they, they were our first history. So I think that, yeah, absolutely. And you're doing some of exactly what you were complimenting wizards for doing is you've reached out to your community and you've allowed them to create content that you're now going to be publishing in a book. So oh, who sure. Who knows whose first break that you or who you just gave a first break to? We've actually had people ask us when they get the world book if they can do a podcast in our world. So it's like Inception. It's like just birthing other shows. Yeah. It just keeps going and going and going. I'm sure you have that sound effect queued up. uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. I have like 18 like heavy, heavy bass hits. Yeah. (laughs) We need a bing bong. We need a bing bong. Can you create a bing bong for us? <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. We, actually, you know what, if I had been properly hooked up, I could. But I'm. I'm fortunate. I just got my audio. I go. Whoa! Bully. That's pretty much all I can do. Nice. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, we need to uh, uh, move on, but I, I would love Absolutely. to uh, find out. <laughs> like, I mean, you, you early on in the podcast, you talked about how people get into uh, your world, but give us mm-hmm. a couple of uh, uh, ways that people can can reach out, talk to you on Twitter, things like that. Sure, absolutely. Uh, again, our website is godsfall.com. I am on Twitter a lot at godsfalldc or vartian, V-A-R-T-I-A-N. You can also find us on Facebook. You can find us on Tumblr. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube. Just search Godsfall, and that's probably going to be us. Nice. He's everywhere. You're everywhere. Yeah. We try. We're in the machine. Your SEO, <laughs> your SEO game is strong. <laughs> I learned that from the news, you know, from a uh, dying newspaper industry. I learned that you got to be. There's no option. This is true. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Ron, for coming and, and talking. And I can't wait to see the book when it comes out. And uh, I'm sure I'll be seeing it at a lot of uh, uh, game stores and game tables over the next few years. Yep. You're going to get the second one right after my mom. How about that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sounds good. That's awesome. awesome. Great, man. Thank you guys so much. It's thank always you. a pleasure to talk with you. And I'm yours whenever you want me on. We'll do. Well, All right. well, that's it. You're Good to know. a weekly guest now. It's just it's <laughs> <laughs> You Done. can have the third chair right here. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Next time I'm in uh next time I'm in Seattle, I'll take you up on that. Okay. Oh, we'd love that for yeah, sure. Definitely. Awesome. All right, man. Take awesome. it easy. Thanks. Thank Bye-bye. you. He's um, great. That is great. He's great. I love all of the creativity that he's putting forth. He is doing a ton. I know. He's one dude. He's one dude. He's going to be, like, franchising what? himself out to, to everything going yeah, forward. Yeah, good. It's a really cool world yeah. that he has built there. Yeah, and I love the idea of, uh, uh, you know, uh, showcasing uh, people who come from different backgrounds, not through, like, this is our spotlight on on, on the gay story or this is our po- spotlight yeah. on the trans story or things like that, but just, like, making it a part of your world yeah. is, uh, I, I, I think, uh, amazing and really kind of refreshing. Yes, we could all learn a thing or two from that one. Exactly, it's true. Who we are. Well, that has been an episode of, uh, of Dragon Talk. Uh, Shelly and I uh, are, are deeply moved uh, to uh, go watch Moana. Uh, yes. Yes. I really want to see it. It's good. I think you should. It's very D&D but kind of story, too. that I've seen were good. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, what else do you have going on that you might want to talk about here at the end? Where, where, where can people follow you at, at, uh, on the Twitters? 
At Shelly Moo. S-H-E-L-L-Y-M-O-O. Shelly Moo. We haven't heard from Fury the horse in a while. He's been quiet. He's been quiet, which makes me scared. Yeah. Fury, where are you? You're stalking. I know it. It's going to happen. Um, you can talk to me. I'm at Greg Tito. Uh, you can follow me on the Twitters and ask me anything about Dungeons Dragons. I try to uh, get back to almost everybody. So you're uh, always on the Twitter. I'm always. I'm always trying. Um, and if you want to find out more about Dungeons and Dragons, go to DungeonsandDragons.com. And of course, they were also on Twitter at Wizards underscore DND. And we have been showing these live on Twitch on Mondays, starting at 2 p.m. Pacific time. So if you're just listening to this on uh, the iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get podcasts, please come in and watch us and all the hilarity that ensues from uh, uh, the stuff that doesn't end up on the podcast. Stage combat. The stage combat, yes. You'll miss from the opening of this very session, uh, Ryan Martha, audio engineer, punched us in the face. (laughs) And it was not fake. It was totally real. Uh, so you can only watch that on Twitch, but you can also check out, uh, I guess, uh, um, what do they call them? VODs, VODs, video on demands of, uh, of these episodes. So if you like this episode, you can actually see it in real time on live uh, on twitch.tv slash dnd. The internet is forever. Make it happen. All right. You guys have been great. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.